0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Bamboo HR. Do you run a business or work in HR? Bamboo HR can manage all your employee data and automate countless tasks in one easy-to-use system. Get an extended 14-day free trial at bamboohr.com/full. bamboohr.com/full. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, October 18th, and we're discussing trucking. I'm your host, Nick Sipel, and today I'm joined in studio by Motley Fool contributor Dan Klein. How you doing, Dan? Hey Nick, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. You know, uh, you just got back from the Bahamas. Uh, you know, you've been jet setting all across, all across the country and across the world. You're in the Bahamas over the weekend. You're up here in DC with us now. You know, how, how's the how's life treating you?
1: I am not sure if the people watching this at home can see this, but I am a lot pinker than I normally am because apparently, even though I live in Florida and spend a lot of time outside, the sun in the Bahamas is just something else entirely. But uh, I'll, I'll throw a little free commercial in for the Bahamas. If you get a chance to go. The water is bluer than anything I've ever seen, and it's just a lovely, albeit incredibly expensive, place to go.
0: Well, you know, Bahamas Tourism Department, if you're listening, uh, we could use a sponsorship. <laughs> you know, we, we're all we're always well, welcome to uh, to donations. Um, all right, Dan. So today we're talking about trucking, and the reason this is this is you know an interesting thing to talk about is it really touches every single business in the U.S. economy because no matter what business you're in, you have to move goods from place to place, and it's going to affect you. Um, trucks are the most common uh, mode of transportation used to import and export goods from the United States. Um, and it's expected to grow at a rate of 4% per year between 2015 and 2045. Um, so it's really a significant portion of our, of our U.S. logistics, how things get from place to place. When you go to the store and buy something, more likely than not, that was brought to the store in a truck. Um, but but what's really significant in trucking today, Dan? What we're really here to talk about is that there's a massive trucking shortage, and that's been growing over time. Do you want to talk a little bit about the shortage and how we got there?
1: Well, what's really interesting about it is trucking is a relatively good job, so. Average pay is somewhere in the 50s. You can make a hundred grand. It requires about six weeks of training. So there aren't very many jobs. You can take a six-week class, cost you a few thousand dollars, and you're immediately gonna have a job that pays fifty thousand or more. The problem with it is, is that despite all the positives of trucking, it's also kind of a miserable life. So we're having trouble, as a nation, talking specifically younger people into taking these jobs, and that's leading to you know a very significant hundreds of thousands the, the numbers vary depending on who's telling the story of open jobs, and that's going to push prices for everything higher.
0: Exactly. I mean, and you said we've seen various estimates. I saw an estimate from FDR Transportation Intelligence, you know, as high as multiple hundreds of thousands. But then you've also got on the low end of the range, the American Trucking Association is estimating we're going to need about 51,000 new drivers. And, you know, this is a shortage that's been growing over time, but it's become particularly worse over just the past uh, couple years, beginning particularly this year. Uh, we began enforcement of electronic time logging devices in april and what those devices are is they're devices placed in a truck that really track the time that the, that the driver is is uh, operating the truck and so we've had restrictions on on truck uh, driver times uh, back since 2004, where we put a maximum workday in for truck drivers at 11 driving hours in a 14-hour period. Now, that that regulation was in for a long period of time, but it's become really particularly significant since this electronic tracking technology has been put in place, because there's a little bit of fudging of the numbers, right, Dan?
1: There was a lot of fudging of the numbers. If you were a driver, you essentially got paid for the miles you put in on the road and getting where you're supposed to go on time. So, all the rules designed to protect you were also rules that curtailed your income. So in some ways, the electronic tracking devices protect drivers from themselves. The the other challenge is it used to be considered driving time was the only factor. Now wait time matters. So if you're a driver and you clock in and it's three hours for your truck to get unloaded or loaded before you go to the next place, that impacts how many hours you can drive. And basically, what it does is we had this sort of shadow workforce of drivers who were super productive in their eleven hours, working fifteen hours. And now that they can't do that, it creates increased demand.
0: Exactly, Dan and. and this is one factor that's coming in, the, the, the regulatory aspect. You talked again about how there's a shortage of younger people entering the trucking workforce. Part of the, the, the reason behind that is just the economy has been so great. You talked about how, uh, about how trucking can be a difficult job. You're away from your family, you're on the road for months, weeks at a time. You're uh, and
1: eating badly. There's no place to shower. Like it, there's, there's really a lot of negatives to it aside from the pay.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, all, all sorts of things. And so now, with the unemployment rate being so low, there are many opportunities uh, out there for people to choose to work in uh, to avoid that trucking lifestyle. So we've got some regulatory uh, influences coming in that's really been tightening the amount that the truckers available can work. And then there's also been the broader economy, which has limited the people who even want to join that pool, which is leading to rising costs. Uh, According to the Labor Department, long-distance trucking costs advanced 9.4% in June from a year earlier, which is the largest increase we've seen in nearly a decade. And that's only going to get worse. Um, And that's because demand for trucking is only rising because of e-commerce and all those sorts of things that we talk about every day here at The Motley Fool.
1: Well, we also went from a trucking system where a full truckload went to a Walmart or a supermarket or whatever big store destination. Now There are literally full trucks full of individual packages driving around. So it's become, you know, obviously it takes less time to bring a full truckload of something somewhere than it does to bring multiple full truckloads, sort that into individual packages, and then go deliver those individual packages to people. So we've created not only added demand, but the same amount of goods now requires
0: more handling. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, I mean, taking a truck to fifty different homes is different than taking it to one individual household. Um, and one other thing to kind of pull the thread here is that this is a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. You know, I'll, there's a, there's a lot of promise out here about you know driverless vehicles and maybe driverless trucking filling this gap. But this is something that may be five to ten years away. I mean, the, the example that I, I you know I used uh, with you and you were, we were preparing for this show is that for a long time we've had autopilots in airplanes and, and and in large uh, uh, transocean uh, vessels. We still have to have people in those to make sure uh, that, that everything's running smoothly. There's limitations in our driverless technology today. So, for example, lidar uh, systems are very important uh, for tracking technology for trucking. However, they they struggle in ad- adverse weather conditions, particularly the rain. And if you're going to come up with a logistical solution that is going to address the entire U.S. retail landscape, you have to be able to work, you know, when it's raining.
1: I think you like the solution isn't going to be automated driving, at least not in the short term. It is going to be logistical planning. You're going to have more companies do what Amazon, Target, and Walmart have done, which is absolutely work to maximize their supply chain, to know full well what the cheapest way to get the the gross volume to a warehouse and then the individual item to you. And that's going to be a mix of absolutely everything, from trucks to drones to Pack mules, like whatever. What probably very few pack mules. Whatever works in each situation, and you're going to see sort of more third-party solutions, you know, like your 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 FedEx and your UPS. But even on a on in your warehouse basis, that works sort of like cloud computing for smaller companies because the days of like an inefficient postal service doing a lot of deliveries that that's not going to be
0: supported by the workforce we have. Exactly, and then I, just one last thing I want to mention before before we go to the break and go to the second half of the show is that you know this trucking factor is really affecting logistical infrastructure, but as well we have to talk about tariffs. When you're putting increasing fuel costs, a trucking shortage, and tariffs on top of the existing uh, logistical infrastructures of these businesses, that's really creating pressure points for these companies. So the, the big the people who can really manage their logistical expense are really going to be in a position to thrive here. I
1: think we have a retail world that is sort of looking a little to the future. Your, your your goal at Walmart, Target, Amazon, all the big players, is to not pass these costs along heading into the Christmas season. So, they've stockpiled goods, they've done whatever they can do. But when you get to January, I think you're going to see some pretty significant price increases for trucking reasons, for tariff reasons, for labor shortage reasons. And we're kind of masking that now. We'll probably see some lower margins heading into the fourth quarter as well.
0: Right, Dan. And on the second half of the show, we'll, we'll pull that thread a little bit more when it comes to retail. And since we're the energy show, we'll talk about how this affects energy <laughs> as well. But, but first, uh, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Bamboo HR. Hey, if you have your own small or medium sized business, or if you work in HR, you know how crazy it can be spreadsheets, paperwork, employee issues, and more. That's where Bamboo HR can help. Bamboo HR can manage all your employee data and automate countless tasks in one easy to use system so you can focus on people. Right now Bamboo HR is giving our listeners a special extended free trial. That's right. Try out Bamboo HR for a full 14 days free by going to bamboohr.com/full. Again, that's bamboohr.com/full. Okay, Dan, uh so so to lead off the second half of the show, let's talk about how trucking is impacting the energy market. I mean, uh, over the past three years, we've we've seen uh, oil, the United States oil output really coming to fresh new highs. Uh, the production in the Permian has more than doubled. We, you know, we've mentioned the Permian in the past on the show for folks who haven't listened. Uh, this is a large oil field in West Texas. It's been in existence. For a long period of time, but over the past several years, with the rise of fracking, we've been able to get access to oil that was not previously accessible there, which has really led to a huge boom in that area of the country. Um, you, You want to talk a little bit about how that's affecting trucking? Yeah,
1: so it's created its own set of problems. So just because you have the ability to pump all this oil doesn't mean you have the infrastructure to get that oil to market. So we've actually found that that. Oil prices for oil pumped from the Permian have gone down. They have to sort of supplement the fact that there's an added cost of trucking. They don't have adequate pipelines. They don't have adequate trucking in in themselves to get the oil to where it needs to go. So it's going to take years. They're actually building wells that they're not using, that they're not pumping from in order to sort of stake the claim on the oil but they can't get that to market, and if they do so, they can't do it efficiently. So, at the moment, yes, we have all this resource, but it's actually creating more problems than it solves.
0: Exactly, Dan, and I think another thing we need to we need to talk about as well is that it's not just getting that oil out of the ground and bringing it to market, which is also a significant role for trucking, particularly with the lack of pipeline capacity in the Permian right now. But it's getting those supplies needed to do the drilling uh, to the wellhead. So that may be fracking sand that you need to get to the wellhead. That could be you know you have to bring water to help pump pump into uh, into the well. You have wastewater that may be needed to take away. All those sorts of things. All require a truck and a driver to bring them to the wellhead or to take them from the wellhead to market. Um, and so we've really seen, you know, I talked about at the beginning how this is a little bit of a boom town situation, uh, just a mass of people coming into the Permian. So there's been a huge shortage of truck drivers, and there's several reasons behind that. First off, US 285 is, is the large uh, thoroughfare between Carlsbad, New Mexico, and Pecos, Texas, which is really the heart of the Permian. And over that period of time, uh, from 2008, when, when fracking really started getting out of the ground, until last year, traffic on that road has gone up 10x. So you already have a shortage of drivers. But then, in, then in addition to that, you have the infrastructure that tra- that those drivers use to transport goods from place to place is really becoming strained. And that's not uh, just in the Permian. This is a microcosm of this. But nationwide, where we've had infrastructure problems, we saw it in the past in the last presidential election. It was it was a, a huge issue. Um, and, and so that's a thing that's affecting the, uh, the Permian. Um, so we have this infrastructure problem, all right, How do you fix the problem? You invest in infrastructure, you build out the road. What does that do? Well, that means you have to have workers on the road, which even makes this problem even worse because you already have too many people for not enough road. You're doing work on it, it makes the congestion even worse. And this is another thing to add into what we're ta- when we're talking about trucking. According to the American Trucking Association, the trucking industry loses 50 billion dollars a year. Sitting in traffic, and that could be places like the Permian, which there's an artificial number of large number of people there, but it could just be uh, in other places across the country where our infrastructure is really dropping the ball.
1: And this is one of those cases where you have to at some point accept the pain. I think we've all lived someplace where they announce we're going to widen the highway. And you think, that's great. I drive to work. There'll be four lanes instead of three. And you, what you don't think about is that for two years, there will be two lanes instead of three as they deal with this. That's what has to happen in the Permian. And whether they build a new highway, whether they build you know rail capacity to get some of this stuff in, new High pipelines, they're, they're going to have to do this. And the problem is, when you're forecasting something like oil prices, you don't know if three years from now, what the impact of electric vehicles will be. The demand for oil could be dramatically different. You know, we, we saw a lot of this in the 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 the, the most recent Texas oil uh bust in the 80s where people had built an economy based on oil at $80 a barrel or whatever the number was and when it dropped to 30 people lost their entire businesses you know like things like sports teams collapsed in those areas because there simply wasn't the income there used to be that could happen if you make the decision to spend billions on building new roads
0: Right, exactly, and so so this is kind of just a microcosm for the limitations of infrastructure as well as when you put strains on areas how how trucking and things that seem like a background uh, industry really come to the fore and really really limit uh, the prospects for growth. Um, Now, Dan, let's swing into retail, which is probably the place that uh, you know our listeners are going to interact with trucking the most. As I said to lead off the show. You know, I, I used to work at a grocery store, uh, you know, when I was in college. I worked at Publix down in Florida. You may be familiar with that. <laughs> yes, um, there's
1: only about 300 of them within two miles of my house.
0: <laughs> yeah. And every morning, you know, we'd have that truck come in and we'd put those goods out on the shelf and people would come in and buy it. And that's happening in every retail store across the country, which is why uh, this trucking shortage is going to affect retail shoppers. So I, I think the, the short version of what we're going to talk about here is just get ready to open your wallets. I mean, it, trucking becomes a commodity.
1: You know, for a while, I worked in my family business and we brought in container loads of steel scaffolding from China. And when China was still sort of a novel place for for companies to source stuff from, it was relatively a fixed price and somewhat inexpensive to do that. As the demand increased, the amount of ships and containers did not. So you might say, okay, I can get that delivered for $2200 uh, and it'll take 6 weeks or I could pay $8000 and have it in 2 weeks. So it's a very fluid demand and your store, you know, Publix has a lot of buying power. Your local store does does not. So you may find, you know, the the big chains having an advantage, especially the ones like like Walmart and, and Amazon that maintain their own trucking fleet over the sort of smaller group that's relying on FedEx, UPS, private truckers to bring their goods in, because they're not going to be the priority, or they're just going to have to pay more, which is obviously going to cost you more.
0: Right. So, I, <coughs> from your perspective, Dan, what you think is, is, is this trucking shortage, as well as just all the other strains that are being put on you know, international logistics, uh, dealing with these situations, the advantage is going to go to the the company that has the most scale, the ability to manage their logistical infrastructure in a way that they have, you know, more control over,
1: and the ability to take labor out elsewhere. Um, so one of the things UPS has talked about is that they don't have a trucking shortage because they have a pipeline of workers. You go from the floor to a small truck to a, to a big truck, they train you along the way. So, if they need 20,000 more truckers, well, they can put robots into the warehouse. They might not be able to automate driving the truck, but they can automate other parts of their workflow. I think that's something you're seeing at Amazon in their warehouses, uh, and you'll see that more and more with Walmart, where the picking of the orders, whether it's for individual delivery or, or mass distribution. Distribution is going to be automated, so you're going to take workers out of the chain and sort of force them into trucks if that's the only job available.
0: Right. I mean, I, talking about Amazon and their you know warehouse infrastructure, I mean it really amazed me. Uh, a stat that I saw that currently Amazon requires one minute of human labor to get a package on a truck. So that means the they're, they're the people who are loading up the boxes, the actual humans, a robot comes to them, brings them the products that they need. The human just takes it, places it on the on the conveyor belt, and then that conveyor belt boxes everything up and puts it on a truck. And the, all these companies that can really squeeze all that kind of fat or wasted time out of their out of their logistics are really going to put themselves in a position to succeed.
1: Yeah, and it becomes about efficiency. You talked about, I think it was UPS, how you never put your keys in your pocket. Yep. A big company can map out every efficiency. Can literally do things like. Uh, Build a bathroom in a location that makes it more convenient to to make bathroom breaks faster for workers. A small company can't do that. They can sort of copy it a little bit. So this is really going to be another thing that sort of puts the squeeze on small business and really forces small business to differentiate on something other than price, because the cost of goods is going to comparatively go down for big business and up for small business.
0: Right, and, and and for these third-party uh, providers, you know, <laughs> you, you talked a little bit about UPS and about um, how they've been able to kind of handle the trucking shortage. Another thing that they can provide, and they, they call out, is that they can provide a different lifestyle for their truckers than than maybe someone who operates with another independent provider. And that uh, UPS, uh, I believe their CEO, uh, no, their spokesman, excuse me, Dan Mcmacken, called out and said that for the average UPS trucker they're out and back in the same day. They're sleeping in their own bed. They're not staying in a hotel or on the road. Um, And that's an advantage that some of these larger companies can offer to their employees that maybe an independent company just doesn't have the flexibility to do.
1: And again, that's going to become a question of technology. I think you're going to see more of your trains try to limit overnight trips. Try to, And we talked a little bit about this, we might see infrastructure move more towards comfort. We've seen kind of a a death of truck stops. They're 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 not as prevalent. The days where there were shower facilities and and even gyms and and decent you know food, we don't have a lot of that. So you might see in some places where overnight trucking is is necessary a sort of uh, rebirth of. Of these kind of trucking stops, places you can park easily, places where you can pay for just the six hours you're sleeping in the motel, as opposed to you know a full night, uh, and sort of everything we can to improve quality of life from hey you're gone for six nights and you're sleeping over your truck bed three of them, you know that's not going to work when UPS or Amazon or whoever is offering you you know one overnight a month sleep in
0: your own bed most nights. Right, Dan. Let's talk. You know, we may have touched on this a little bit, but just to really pull the thread on it, how this omni channel retail is affecting trucking demand. We, we talked about having the trucks having to go to all kinds of different places, all those sorts of things. How does trucking fit in with that? How is it going to, going to adapt? All those sorts of things.
1: So, we're in the very early days of logistics for omni channel. I, I think if you knew, you know, let's say you order something from Walmart for pickup in store. I think sometimes if you knew where that had come from, it, it'd be preposterous how much money they lost. You know, getting you your your box of gluten free pasta or whatever it is they weren't they weren't stocking. It maybe was handled by six people, was on three different trucks, was on a shelf, was in a warehouse. It's just like we talked about the other day, where you get the Amazon item at home and it's not in the right size box for what you ordered. That's happening less and less. and We're going to start seeing companies behind the scenes using AI, predictive technology. You know, Amazon has talked a lot about, they know you're going to order razors before you do, and it's already packaged in the correct warehouse to send it to you. You're going to see a lot more technology going into making sure we eliminate as many inefficiencies as possible.
0: Right, you know, uh, along those same lines, another another example to that Amazon that I I was talking about earlier, in that in the past things would be organized in a way that best fit what people could understand. If I if I'm a person working in a warehouse and I want to go find the good that we need to put in this shipment, you know, maybe everything's in alphabetical order, or group group by you know different genre. There's sports stuff over here, and there's dry goods over here. What we're seeing now with these with these AI capabilities is that. The way these things are organized would make absolutely no sense to you and me, but it's the most efficient way to do it based on the way this analytics has been done. And and it, you know it might sound like a you know save ten seconds here um, by this different organizational structure, but when you think about a company like Amazon that's doing millions and millions of transactions or Walmart, those little fractions of a penny saved at each step down the line become millions and millions of dollars. I
1: think we're also in the early days of, let's call it, flexible demand, where Walmart will actually offer you a cheaper price on certain items if you just go to the store and get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon will sometimes give you a little kickback if you're willing to not get two-day delivery. Yep. And we're both big Amazon consumers. Sometimes I order from Amazon because I need it in two days. A lot of the time, I order from Amazon because eh, I'm going to run out of tea at some point. I better order some tea. So. If I could be incentivized to not care when something comes, or you know, what if Amazon says, free two-day shipping, but your orders need to get to 35 pounds, or, or $99, or, or whatever it is, and we're not going to charge you for Prime anymore. I think you're going to see more clever things like that. Costco has, has some shipping options that work that way. Target has some shipping options that work that way. So it's all going to be about, how do I make that truck accomplish the most work with the least work going into filling it?
0: Exactly, and just kind of going away, Dan. I mean, I think trucking is a good example of this. The tariff show we did a couple of weeks is a good example of. I just want to encourage investors to not just think about you know what's going on right in front of you. So, like you know, walk into the Walmart store. Here's all the goods. Think about how those goods got there. What are what are the steps that had to take place for this deliverable that you're getting as a consumer to come to you? And I think trucking is a good way to think about that. Tariffs are a good way to think about that. You- and, and I think you see it on your shelves. Yeah.
1: Go to your Walmart, your Target, your, your Whole Foods, whatever it is. Pick a smaller brand, and then look at it for each of the next three times you visit. You will no longer see instant replenishment of smaller brands. You will see when two-thirds of the inventory is gone, maybe they place an order and get Because everything, for, for that small brand to compete, they have to send you a a caseload, a you know, a pallet, whatever it is, they can't send you. Oh, hey, you're out of the jalapeno flavor. I'll send you three of those. So you're gonna see sort of some different trends in shelving, and companies trying to figure out ways to sort of make that work because you don't want to be out of stuff, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to have these sort of inefficient little deliveries that I'm sure you got back in your Publix days.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's for sure. And Dan, you know, for our listeners, for investors in general, when you're thinking about things like trucking and logistics. What is the best way to follow these trends as an investor, and what is the best way to take them into account when you're making a thesis on whether this is an investment or not?
1: Well, it, it, it's a challenge to follow because the average person isn't going to look up how many truckers were short on a on a daily basis. But I think your bets here are on the companies that have the money to spend on the backbone on the on the infrastructure. That's going to be your major retailers. That's going to be UPS and FedEx. So it's really looking at you know what they're forecasting if ups comes out of the next quarter and says yeah we intended to hire 100,000 people this holiday season we can only get 18,000 that's going to have a much bigger impact than if walmart falls short in its holiday hiring when it can just like eke extra work out of people maybe trim hours you know sort of keep the same business going so look at those trends but for the long term the
0: big guys are going to win here yeah, I think it's another one of those where just economies of scale went out. I, on UPS, last thing, you know, if any of our listeners are, are in need of work or looking out for work, <laughs> UPS just announced uh, yesterday, October fifteenth, that they're going to hire as many for, as forty thousand seasonal employees nationwide on one-day hiring blitz. Uh, one hundred seventy job fairs going on October nineteenth across the country where they're going to hire employees on the spot. So if any of our listeners are down on their luck looking for something, uh, there's some opportunities there. As you mentioned, Dan, I mean. This is a job that pays pretty 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 good money I
1: don't understand why you're sort of like twenty two year old you have to be twenty one to to cross state lines and why you're sort of twenty two year old who's working some bad job at a you know a restaurant or, or a warehouse wouldn't want to take a job where you could be out on the open road, experience different things meet different people uh, seems like something I would do other than the fact that I'm not a great driver and we'd all be dead but <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, exactly, Dan. You know this trucking story and just logistics in general are going to be something that plays out over the next few months and and years. I mean, it's something that's going to go on probably the rest of our lives. So uh, maybe we can have you on later and uh, discuss as this story continues to develop. I was going to
1: say I'll be back in a few weeks. We could talk about the pilot shortage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I enjoyed having you on, Dan, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Thank you. As always, people on the program, may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks Dawson Morgan for his work behind the glass for Dan Klein. I'm Nick Sipel. Thanks for listening and fool on. I like driving in my truck, he likes to drive in his truck. Auburn truck. Auburn sucks. I like driving in my truck, he likes to drive in his truck. Auburn sucks. Auburn sucks. I like trucks, he likes trucks. Uh, uh, I, like I don't uh, I don't care if Auburn he
1: doesn't.